This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the first person to ever be called a motherfucker. He probably ended up fucking somebody's mom. When I was here, I wanted to be there. When I was there, all I could think of was getting back into the jungle. I'm here a week now. Waiting for a mission. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, we have finally reached the climax of this podcast, and we are doing Apocalypse Now. This is our peak. We will this never hit the- anything better. <laughs> it's just downhill it's just from nothing here. but downhill from here. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And, of course, like I said, we are doing 1979's Apocalypse. I believe it was 79. Yeah, 1979. Um, Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola. Ooh, Zach, your first time seeing it in its mm-hmm. entirety. Yes. Because, again, you did your thing where I was like, Zach, you ever seen it? He's like, yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Zach, what'd you think of it? He's like, yeah, I knew that one scene where where he says that one line. I'm like, all right, you never see, you didn't see bits and pieces of anything. I'm I've like, seen small amounts of it. <laughs> um, so, Zach, give us the rundown of whom is in it, and mm-hmm. I will give you the Ooh. rundown of what it's about. You kind of you kind of stole my thunder a little bit Sorry. here with it. So, Apocalypse Now came out in 1979. I already said that. Directed by Francis I Ford Coppola. <laughs> well, then let me tell you who's in it. <laughs> Fucking big names. That's who. Oh, yeah. So your main character is Martin Sheen, who plays Captain Benjamin Willard. You have Marlon Brando, who plays Colonel Walter Kurtz. Mm-hmm. You have Robert Duvall in here for a minute, playing Lieutenant Colonel Bill Kilgore. <laughs> what a good name. I know. <laughs> you have Harrison Ford in here, too, yeah. for a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah. who plays Colonel Lucas. Yeah. And then you have the ragtag crew that... Benjamin has in this, yep. which is young Lawrence Fishburne, who plays Tyrone Clean Miller. Mm-hmm. You have Frederick Forrest, who plays Chef, mm-hmm. who looks like a weird combination of Paul Rudd and Tom Hardy to me. <laughs> 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 Do you see it though? Now that you mention it a little, yeah. yeah right. uh, you have Sam Bottoms, who plays Lance. Yep. And then you have Albert Hall, who plays Chief. Mm-hmm. And that is your main cast. Yeah. And this is a movie about a U.S. Army officer who is serving in Vietnam um, and is tasked with the assassination of a renegade special forces uh, colonel who sees himself as as a god. Yeah, he's kind of become more or less like a prophet in his own eyes. Yeah, I have I have some things to say about Marlon Brando's character in this film, but I kind of want to save it for the end. Okay. Um, I want to just point out first that I'm in this movie. Are you? Finally... Zach is in a movie. Are you a cool character? I am the guy who's on the radio (laughs) (laughs) playing fucking Rolling Stones. Yeah, okay, so you're pretty cool. Yeah, Uh, it's like, good morning, (laughs) Vietnam. This is Zach Johnson here, and we are going to be playing Rolling Stones up next. Wait, did he actually say Zach Johnson? Yes, he said, I I fucking, (laughs) I double took it because I was watching it with my dad, and I was like, Dad, I'm in this. (laughs) And he's like, shut up, go get me beer. (laughs) Cool, all right, cool, Zach. Well, congratulations on the Vietnam War and all that. Um, (laughs) I don't know know if that's really (laughs) congratulatory. I know a lot of people that wouldn't say that. No, no. Um, so Zach, I, I love watching movies, classics like this that I feel so passionately about that you haven't seen. So the first thing I love to do is to get your first take. Like, what did you think? Crazy. Yeah. Um, a lot to love about this film. Mm-hmm. I personally think that this is one of the best representations in films in terms of somebody experiencing PTSD. Yeah, you know, for me, 
I don't know if you've ever seen the next film I'm going to mention, but um, for me, the top two Vietnam films ever. Is it Platoon? No. It is. I like Platoon. Apocalypse Now and Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Deer Hunter. I've seen bits and pieces of Deer Hunter. <laughs> I know the fucking Russian roulette scene. Okay, so then, yeah. I know the most famous Deer scene. Hunter is, in my opinion, like, I, I, I kind of, it's like a toss-up. I was actually talking to my dad about mm-hmm. between Apocalypse Now and Deer Hunter. My dad strongly sides with Deer Hunter, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of on the edge more of Apocalypse Now. I'm like kind of like right on the fence there. I don't know, but they're really, really fan. They're both, like, just so good. I think... In terms of a Vietnam movie, I don't think this is the best of Vietnam movie. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I, personally, I love I love Platoon a little bit more. Yeah, I think that does like a way better representation of like what Vietnam was, what? and this is very much a movie aspect of Vietnam. See, I, I disagree. I, I think that this, I, I think that this, I think Apocalypse Now just takes a different look at Vietnam War, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go this the the route so much of the actual war. This movie is more about the psychological damage that the war does to the people. And in that aspect is why I say, like, it's the best representation of PTSD. Yeah. Because that first scene where you have, like, Ben, like, just laying about in bed and, like, the fan going and he hears the helicopters. Yeah. And, like, he's doing the inner monologue of, you know, his wife asked for the divorce and, like, he's just kind of, like, in his room and like he's doing karate and then like punches the mirror and then looks at the blood. Mm -hmm. Like I absolutely loved that because I was like, look at this incredibly real representation. Yeah. And then something that I absolutely love too is like, as he's reading like the dossier of Kurtz, Marlon Brando's character Mm -hmm. and like, he's almost agreeing with everything that he's saying like yeah. he he's understanding why he did this and why he kind of went rogue yeah and a big portion of that is too is that i think kurtz's character just had so much ptsd that it pushed him over the edge and like he basically became like a prophet almost to himself yeah. where it's like my word is going to be law for some people yeah and i loved that because i was i was waiting for when they actually meet where it's like it's almost now that Ben is going to be like either this is what there's I only need two to do. options. Really. Yeah, it's either I become the new prophet or I follow him. Yeah, and I loved that aspect. Like I was, I was waiting in anticipation for it because I was like, when they finally meet, shit's going to get real. Yeah, and at the end, shit gets real <laughs> in a different way. Yeah, I wasn't expecting like how it was going to turn out, but like I, I was thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed myself throughout the film. Uh, good. I'm I'm glad that you that you liked it. Um. So before we get to Brando and Colonel Kurtz and and all that, mm-hmm. let's take a step back. Like you said, the opening scene, mm-hmm. the fan going, the helicopters going, a man who feels probably most comfortable and most at home in war. Yeah, like that's all he knows at this point. Yeah, and being stuck in these four walls of of this hotel room is driving him fucking insane. And although he does mention, because he, you know, he's doing a monologue over, over the, you know, he's narrating the film. So you know that whatever happens, he gets out, like he survives. So him saying, you know, um, like the, the whole thing about, I want, um, you know, I, I, he says something to the effect of like, 
all I wanted to do was go back to war. And then when I finally like got this like, uh, like mission assigned to me and then I completed it, I wish I never went at all. Mm -hmm. So like you, you, you're like anticipating like, Oh my God, like how psychologically damaging like was this? Because this is very much, like I said, a mission movie, but also like I was, like I was saying, like, it's not really like about the war it's not so much about the Vietnam War as a whole. This is yeah. very much a small story that is, you know, encapsulated with the psychological damage of these characters. Yeah, I would put this more in like kind of an espionage slash like assassination movie. Yeah. With the element and time frame of the Vietnam War. Exactly. Like yeah. you said, like it doesn't really focus on it, but the points that they do focus on, at points it kind of seems like like I said, very much a movie aspect of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Like when you get to the island where like Kilgore is like running everything. Kilgore is mad funny. He's so (laughs) funny. Like Robert Duvall as that character, like just him being like, all right guys, set up shop. His biggest concern is just surfing. Yeah. (laughs) And like, that's where a part of me was like, I know for a fact that this is not how it was. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to watch because, like, he's like, hey, everybody, like, there's war going on, but let's go surfing. Yeah. And, like, there's actually, like, tanks and missiles going off. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, hey, that's that's a wave. We can't wait till, like, sundown. We got to catch them now. Yeah. But I also think that, like, you know, his character is also, like, somebody who, who has been, who has dealt with the PTSD and the, 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 the pure and utter chaos, like, in, you know, like, his way of coping with that mm-hmm. is to like not take it too seriously yeah you know what i mean so like you know you have like this kid this this young like 18 year old kid i don't remember his name but he's like the one that's like the, the famous surfer mm-hmm. and he's like oh you know like it and like as soon as robert duvall's character as soon as kilgore like sees him and and he's like are you so and so and he's like yeah he's like sorry he shakes his hand kilgore <laughs> shakes his hand he's like, he's like i want to just tell you that you're one of the greatest surfers i've ever seen in my life blah 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 blah, blah. and like the whole rest of the movie the whole rest of kilgore's like thing is kind of like wanting to impress him mm-hmm. and like show him that like his boys can surf too and it's a really strange thing, but it's also like just funny, and like it, it kind of like breaks up the the heaviness of what Vietnam really is. Yeah, because then you go into. But also, like, I'm sorry because I feel like you're gonna cut cut a little bit forward, and I want to like keep going back. Go on, is, go on. Uh, thank you. Because <laughs> um, like, how fucking cool is it though when Kilgore is like, we're gonna play some music for him. He's like, mm-hmm. he's it scares the shit out of him, and they're like, what do you mean play music? And then they have like those giant speakers mm-hmm. uh, and their helicopters, and then they're fucking playing the music and the they're rise just going of Valkyrie. In. And it's just it, oh, oh, it probably is. My favorite scene in this film. That, really? I think so, just because, like, Rise of the Valkyrie and all the helicopters going off, like, it's such a very cool war scene. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because it's like, as I'm watching this, I asked my dad, too, I was like, isn't it weird, like, how music kind of shaped the time frame of the Vietnam War and vice versa? Mm -hmm. Because, like, especially, too, you have... Like, Rise of the Valkyrie, which works so well, like, with the helicopters. And then the opening scene with, like, the island and, like, the explosions going off. And you have This is the End by the doors. Yeah. Like, it's funny to see where it's, like, even though a lot of the songs are in, like, Vietnam movies, it's songs that you immediately think of, like, that time frame. Yeah. Like, Like, if you, you, like, Google just, like, Vietnam songs, like, Vietnam War songs, like, these are the songs that are going to come up. Like, the song White Rabbit, too. Like, that's a perfect Vietnam song 
but there's no real connection other than like the time frame that it came out with. Yeah. So I think the mu- the music really played well into this film mm-hmm. and just set the tone for like what's going on. Yeah. And you know, going forward with this story, I mean, he's on like a secret mission. Like he's actually not allowed to like tell anybody like yeah. what he's, not even the crew what he's doing because when, before he gets this mission, they they actually give him like the information that they sent another man out prior to him to go do what what they're telling him to do, which mm-hmm. is to go find Kurtz and kill him. Um, and then that guy ran into him. Like he he ended up making it all the way to Kurtz and then joined him. Yeah, and like joined his you know whatever like his little cult tribe. Like, cult yeah, his cult that he's running there. So I mean. You have like this character's built up so much. Like mm-hmm. Marlon Brando's character is built up so much, and you're just like the whole film. You're just like waiting for Marlon Brando to like appear, and then when you finally get him, yeah. Oh, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I, I do think like the ragtag team that they had too, mm-hmm. little weird, because um, you're kind of expecting them to like all be like one unit. That's the, and that's one thing that I love though about yeah, it. Yeah, because like again, Vietnam War, like how it was, like it was the just draft, everybody like, just it's go, just go go go. It's just kids. Yeah, and you really see that. And then even too like um well, because the the surfer. I'm sorry to cut you off, but the surfer kid. I what was his you're name? doing that a lot. In this I know. Episode. I know. <laughs> but what's the, what's his name? I don't know. Whatever. I didn't write down for that him. kid. Um, he he was the one in the beginning who was like when they first when, oh, when the yeah, helicopters yeah. first touched down he's like I'm not going I'm not going and then they have to grab him and then by the end of that by the end of the movie he's ready to kill yeah like there like you really get like some really good progression of all of these guys who who are all so scared and timid in the beginning who've never shot guns before in their lives and then by the end of it they've all gone fucking insane and they're shooting and killing randoms innocents it doesn't matter they're just ready to sh- like just pull those triggers at any point yeah. And that's why, too, like, with um, Lawrence Fishburne's character, like, clean. Yeah. yeah. Like, a perfect example of it. Plus, two, Lawrence Fishburne actually lied about his age to... Be in the movie? Yeah, because he was only 14 when they oh, were really? filming this. And he told them that he was 18. Ah. So, it's weird to see, like, Lawrence Fishburne, like, young. Yeah. Because I'm so used to him, like, older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Very much like a Morgan Freeman type thing. Where it's yeah. like, I just can't picture him young. Young. <laughs> <laughs> I always just know him as 70. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, Lawrence Fishburne's character of Clean, like, you really see throughout, like, the beginning of this film when they're on the boat and, like, he's just jamming to Rolling Stones and, like, just hanging out. Yeah. And then that first kind of, like, firefight where it's, like, um, the kids are just throwing, like, sticks at them. Mm-hmm. And he starts, like, shooting off. And then you have the scene later on when, like, they find the random boat and Ben told them, like, hey don't go over there there's no point like we have to keep going and they stop and it's just like this big firefight because he let off like a round and now it's like okay kill 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 we gotta just kill everybody and then it turns out that they're just hiding a dog yeah that's yeah it gets like real sad yeah and then you i love how like they they showcase like the savageness of of even our soldiers like Mm -hmm. in this movie of like when when the crew finds themselves at the at like the big stage arena where like the Playboy bunnies come out and like they start yeah dancing. I wasn't a big fan of that scene is it, so the thing is I don't mind that scene I think it's I think it's a, a, a decent enough detour off of the the main mission because again of like it's showing the savageness of our soldiers and like how, how they just 
are so stuck and they, they've been, they haven't seen a woman in like mm-hmm. how long and they've been fucking just out in these woods sleeping and fucking, you know, holes in, in the ground and whatnot, killing men, watching their friends get blown up. And then they finally have these women who are dancing like half naked in front of them. And they, they just all just start fucking like, it's Swarming. like it's like World War Z, like that that scene in World War Z <laughs> yeah. where all the zombies are like piling on top of one another, and it, you know it gets to the point where like it's it's great, even like to the point where you know the helicopter starts taking off with the girls, and there's still guys like hanging on to the fucking what I don't even know what those things are called, but like the the landing things that the mm. the helicopter uses, the the feet, I guess, right? Um, yeah, that would I would say the, the helicopter feet. feet. <laughs> I like the landing anatomy. things better. <laughs> The anatomy of a helicopter. Um, Our new book. (laughs) They're, uh, you know, they're hanging on to them and whatever. Like, I I, I do understand. So, ironically enough, my first actual viewing of this film was the Redux version. Oh, okay. And I didn't like it that much. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, because they add a lot of extra scenes and like specifically there's like a good, I don't know. There's a, there's a good amount of extra scenes that is like all part of that, of this, like the, the, the playboy girls like dancing and all that. And it just goes on for too long. And it's like, Oh, now they're just like having sex with these guys and like out in like a helicopter in the middle of the woods and stuff. It's just like, yo, this is like not these extra scenes. I'm glad these were deleted. (laughs) (laughs) Like this was just like way too much. Yeah. It was just too long, man. Honestly, I just, I don't know. Like if if you like redux, that's cool. But like, it's just not for me. I just, I'm a purist. I like, I like the, uh, like the original. Well, that's why, like I was told, like watch the original and then watch the redux to see like what was kind of like added in. Yeah. But I mean like three hours and 23 minutes (laughs) is is quite a bit. It's a chunk of change. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess seeing them kill and then like taking that dog and, and they kill, they end up killing those people for no, you know, for no real reason. Yeah. Um, and then you have like the guy who's like driving the boat chief chief and chief is just like chief is no nonsense. Like I like chief. (laughs) I like, I like chief too. I think it's weird though that like, cause his whole thing is that like, he's supposed to drive them the boat to where, um, Ben needs to go Mm -hmm. to meet with Kurtz, but he doesn't know where to go. He's yeah. just kind of being led by Ben. Yeah, yeah. So it's like for him to be like the captain of this boat and not and know not where have to go. any idea where it's going. Yeah. His character kind of felt like lost in that sense. Yeah. But I enjoyed the fact that like he really stood his ground of like, I've been doing this for like years now and I know my boat and I know my men and I will get us there safely. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. Because then you have characters like Lance, who is just like this pretty boy who like just wants to suntan and like the entire time and then takes the dog. Yeah. And then he goes basically crazy at the end. Right. Yeah. And then you have Chef. Who, who I like as a character. Chef? Chef. I, I love I, him. I like Chef a lot because again, like you get to see that insanity and in where like he, they call him Chef because that's like his, he, he joined the military to be a chef. All he wanted to do was like learn how to cook. He wasn't, he didn't sign up to fucking kill people. Yeah. And like when they see that tiger... Dude, first off, it's intense. It is. It's like not, like you don't expect that tiger to come out at all. And then when he has like that full blown like breakdown on the boat at, mm-hmm. and he just starts crying and all that, and he's like saying like, I didn't sign up for this shit. Like, this is not why I came here. I mean, that's the beginning of the end of Chef, mm-hmm. you know? But I really enjoyed his character as a whole. Oh, yeah. of just like who he was. And yeah. like, again, add some dimension to the the team that's here yeah out of out of all out of all the characters a chef is like the one that you want to hang out with yeah (laughs) i like chef the most i mean and then you have like the really crazy scene of like when they're getting the mail and yeah when lawrence fishburne's character clean like gets killed it's man that's heartbreaking when he gets shot 
and you and, still have the tape of oh, his mom. Oh. Like I I can't express like how sad it is and knowing that like more than likely there was hundreds of people during the Vietnam War that probably had like this exact same situation. Yeah. Like it's just incredibly sad and you really feel for the the team at that point because that really is the demise of the yeah. team because yeah. at that point you know uh chief is already gone and then you have clean that now dies and it really just boils down to ben chef and lance mm-hmm. and lance really just does not know what to do Lance's he, just a kid he's, he's just dropping acid yeah and like walking around when yeah. there's fucking firefights <laughs> going on yeah. and chef like just does not want to do this he wants to just cook and that's it yeah and then you have ben who has to go and do this mission yeah mm-hmm. and ben listen the getting to the point of when you finally reach mm-hmm. where Kurtz has been has been this entire movie. It is fucking awesome. It like, is when you arrive there and you have the music playing and the the boat slowly approaching and all of his cult members mm-hmm. standing on these boats and and you see you see the chaos that he has that he has created here. But it's an organized chaos. And it's isolated, too. Like, in all honesty, it almost seems like nothing would have been different had, like, the military just left Kurtz alone. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of, like, secluded and, like, okay with leading this, like, pack in the jungle. And that's Mm -hmm. it. And I love the... the disorder but all the order that is there like they are they they know that like everybody there like knows their roles and whoever doesn't you you clearly see what has happened to them you see heads be you know like decapitated mm-hmm. heads all over the place you see bodies hanging from trees just swinging and it's it is pure just craziness but incredible yeah because you even have it too where it's like the one guy's explaining and it's like Oh, yeah, like, you know, he got a little out of hand and, like, cut a guy's head off. But he's the first one to admit that he went a little too far. Yeah. And you really see, like, what type of leader yeah. Kurtz is at this point. Yeah. Like, so, this is the point in the movie where I find myself being the most disappointed. So... A little bit. So... I will, like, again, like, you, you're built, like, this whole movie is, like, him, like, reading... Kurtz's like papers and and mm-hmm. and and you know seeing all of all of his all of his uh like Dossiers awards and, and everything yeah. like everything that he's won all everything and like how perfect and whatnot that he is and you have like this incredible um image of of this man and like what he's going to be and truthfully when you finally reach Kurtz it's kind of disappointing in a sense because you're building up like this character who from what it seems like is such a decorated like war veteran that he should be able to like handle himself a little bit more. And at the same time too, like when you have the meeting, it's kind of anticlimactic. It's very anticlimactic. Like they basically just talk and then Kurtz just like imprisons him, but then lets him go. So he never, yeah, he like never like, he never, because he, what's his, you know, Ben says, like, 
I could have left at any point. Like mm-hmm. he he wasn't holding him there. Yeah. But he was more or less, I guess, kind of like mentally breaking him. Mm-hmm. You know. But I love Marlon Brando as Kurtz, and yes. I love how Francis Ford Coppola was positioning the cameras for the the light that because you never oh, yes. you never get like a clear clear until like the end mm-hmm. when you, he's wearing you, all the camo yeah you never get like a full-blown like this like is marlon brando's face it's always like half hidden by shadows you know bare like just a little bit of light whatever it is like you you never get a full-blown image or a full-blown like frontal of his face yeah it's done so well I just, I, I've always said it. I've always wished that something more happened. Yeah, because like it really just becomes where Ben just finds a machete and goes towards him and literally just cuts his head off. And Kurtz knew it. He he yeah. wanted to die. He kind of like said it. He kind yeah. of like, even, even uh, Ben was just like. I mean, in a sense, like maybe he's making himself a martyr. Kind of, right? But I mean, it, it almost sets up to where like, Ben can now lead this tribe. Well, that, that's that's how it ends. I mean, it, it ends in, in which they all, like, everybody realizes that he just killed Kurtz, and now everybody, like, bows down to him. Yeah, but then he just leaves. And he leaves because he's like, I don't want any part of this. Yeah, but in a sense, I was I was kind of hoping that Ben would stay then. Yeah. Because they lead you to believe this entire movie that, like, he understands and believes in what Kurtz is saying yeah, and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then even so when they're there, like he kind of understands like where he's coming from. Yeah. So for him to not take that position, it leaves like this weird taste in my mouth because it's like mixed with the PTSD that Ben has. And then also like the prophet, uh, esque feel. Yeah. Like him just giving that up kind of seems like he's going to go back. And again, he's just kind of look for the next mission. Mm hmm. But when he's home, like he's he's not okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 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 strange because this movie is so fantastic, and like you said, there's so much to love about this movie. There's so many, there's so many details. The idea of the war and and what it's doing to our men, and the characters that that are introduced that are so likable and also so so hate like you can hate them too because they're also just you know kind of scumbags in a way yeah but whose fault is that is that their fault or is that just the circumstances that they've been put in you know there's so many questions that arise and and again like seeing the madness of this movie and and seeing these men break down i mean this movie really explores it so well mm-hmm. but again it's just like you're you're you've been building up kurtz the entire movie and at the time, Brando was the fucking guy. Like, yeah. everybody fucking loves Marlon Brando. And you're hearing Francis Ford Coppola's name mm-hmm. with Brando again because of The Godfather and yes. how amazing that is. And and everybody's so, like, just, like, anticipating Brando. And you'd, you don't get... You don't get nearly what this movie was mm. building him up to be. No. So... By far, the thing that you're waiting for the most is the most disappointing. Mm -hmm. But I think you can also make an argument that you're building this man up so much like a god. Mm -hmm. And 
the characters in this film are building him up so much like a god, and they're putting that in your head. So now you're building him up to this god. But in reality, he's just a man. I like that aspect. You can also kind of make an argument that, in a sense, it's a take on what the Vietnam War really was. Because, like, you're building up, like, this whole war and, like, how incredibly precious this is to, like, win and to fight and, like, to do everything that needs to be done. And in the end, it didn't really matter. Yeah. And that that is more or less what happened with Vietnam. Like, we didn't have to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So every war that we've ever been in. <laughs> yeah. For the most part. Uh, um, yeah. But I mean, look, overall, overall, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that this is a disappointing movie. No. And I think that it's a film that if you love movies and you really, really like films a lot, that I think that this is kind of like a, a must watch. Yeah. Even so with the disappointing ending, it's still a fantastic film and you're still thoroughly like happy by the end of it right yeah yeah exactly um yeah i mean i don't know man like for me maybe top 20 films of all time yeah you know like for me personally it's Mm -hmm. just it's just so fucking good um but yeah i don't know I guess I guess there's a way of like me justifying the ending from that ending that I like from how I explained that as like you're building him up as a god but in reality he's just a man. Yeah. So like it makes me feel a little bit better <laughs> about it, you know. <laughs> you just I mean? switch the switch where it's like, "Oh yeah, you know what? It's not a bad ending." <laughs> you know what I mean? But like it's just like but also like I recognize like I, mm-hmm. I you know, I always have to like pull myself out mm-hmm. and like okay, like look, you love the movie, but you also need to like be aware that like some th- some things aren't perfect in this film, like in whatever it is. And like, let's be honest, the character of Kurtz is kind of disappointing. Yeah. But had you picked anybody else <laughs> other than Marlon Brando, <laughs> it would have been way more disappointing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It fucking needs to be Brando. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So look, I'm really, really glad you liked it. Yeah, it was um, cool. It was a really good movie. Um, Like you said, probably somewhere like in the top 25 films. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if not just like personally, like in general, it has to be up there. Yeah, it's it's definitely in top one hundred films ever made. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Frank, what would you like to recommend that's not in the top one hundred? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am recommending a book. Okay. You don't read. I read some words. You don't. You can't read. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm recommending a book. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the book that my favorite film of all time is based off of. So I'm not oh, sure okay. if you're even aware. Yeah, I know. But There Will Be Blood is based off of a book by Upton Sinclair called Oil. Mm-hmm. And Oil is, in my opinion, a fantastic fucking read. It's very, it's not, you know, it's not the same as There Will Be Blood because mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson took inspiration and and whatnot but it's definitely not like you know page by page the same exact thing um but it's very much the essence of there will be blood Mm -hmm. and the characters and all that are really really great and you're following you know a man building up this oil company with his son and all that and i mean it really is in my opinion it's a masterpiece book Mm -hmm. um and like i said it inspired my favorite film of all time. So I'm a little, I'm a little partial to it. <laughs> so it is what it is, but I highly recommend the read. Um, it's not too, it's not too long at all. Like, it's not like, Oh my God, it's ungodly. I can't read this. 
Um, and it's really good. So I think I would I wouldn't recommend it as like like oh I don't read books at all so let me just pick <laughs> let me up just the, like dive right yeah, in. let me do like I don't recommend that at all. Start, but work your way up. I go think, to Green Eggs and Ham and then go to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I do highly uh, encourage you to pick it up and and read it. It's I promise that you won't be disappointed. Um, Zach, what movie are we doing next? Well, Frank, we're gonna go back to the start. Uh oh. And for the start. Weirdly enough, I didn't pick this as my first one. Mm. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. I, I fucking knew it. <laughs> so we are going to be doing his first film, Kronos. Ooh. I've Have you seen it before? No. Have you? No, but I've I, seen I've seen pieces. I, I've seen pieces. <laughs> I know Ron Perlman's in it. Okay, that's cool. his guy. That is that's one of his guys. Basically, definitely. I don't know. Like I I know like there's this weird kind of like beetle thing that like turns you into a vampire. Okay. It looks cool. There's there's body horror to it too, which yeah. is what Guillermo del Toro is known for. One, so. of my, one of my favorite things was, and I don't even know if it was like in correlation to this film. I think it was though, because I'm pretty sure he was talking about his first movie. Um, and I remember I was watching an interview with Guillermo del Toro, and he was talking about how he like finished the movie, like it was all done, and then he like you know brings it to like whoever, like the the production company who was like making it, and um, and the guy like the suit who sits down and watches it, he's like. He's like the main like villain thing. He's like mm. it, it. It looks like a giant bug. And Guillermo's oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's because it is a giant bug. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could be wrong. I think that was Phantoms. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't because, know. Because well, like he had to make that movie um, for American Studio so he can get the money to make Devil's Backbone because that was like mm. the real passion project that he wanted to do. Gotcha. So yes, he made a giant bug movie. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But I don't right. think that's this one. All right. Cool. So, Kronos. Kronos. 1993. So, just just remember, listeners, uh, not a discussion really, a similar discussion to this. It's not going to be, like, about the movie and the characters and blah, blah, blah. It's really going to be about the start of Guillermo del Toro's career. So, specifically, that's probably going to be really focusing on his style. So, Mm -hmm. you know... I'm 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 have to imagine that there's going to be some really good practical effects because that's kind of like what he's known for. Yeah. And I have to imagine that there's going to be a not very good story in there because that's what he's known for. <laughs> All right, you know what, Frank? <laughs> Name uh, one movie that doesn't have a good story. I'll wait. All of them. Fuck you. Um All right. So, <laughs> look forward to that. Um Zach, please take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now Frank, he became unsound.